turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Hour 2 of Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. It's so great to be with you today. And uh, we're in Southern California Live each and every weekday from 3 to 5. And uh, we are dealing with the issues of the day, the news of the day, things that come to our attention that we ought to talk about. Be more informed, have a little fun with it, maybe even do something important. So we've been working on that today. And I hope that you are having a great time. We did have some calls I, I mentioned from the last hour, but they were uh, either you hung up or you got taken by our guests who uh, took your calls. We really appreciate that. We're going to change gears a little bit, talk about some things that are going on in the uh, the news today. And uh, we're not really going to talk about the war in Ukraine too much today, but uh, I found this article kind of interesting. A Ukraine mayor survives a rocket assassination attempt because he overslept. And if you've ever thought, you know, you're doing the wrong thing by hitting the snooze bar, this guy had saved his life. Vitaly Kim was home asleep and he slept in. He was supposed to be in the office and uh, his offices were bombed by the Russians while he was there. And uh, just about everybody got out, it turns out, but uh, they couldn't find him in the rubble. And it turns out it's because he was home and uh, sleeping in, hitting that snooze bar. So, you know, it's a, it's an amazing thing. He must have, uh, you know, he must be going to uh, work today going, you know what, I have new new purpose for uh, for being here, you never know what the, you know the Lord's going to do. Maybe he—I don't know if he knows the Lord or not, if it has anything to do with it. But uh, maybe he does now. You know, I bet your life gets a little bit more precious when you when it comes that uh, that close to being lost. Hey, um, you can give me a call and join our conversation this hour eight 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 five two eight two five five seven eight 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 LA Talks eight 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 five two eight two five five seven SoCalLive at KKLA.com is the email address. If you can't give us a call, you can email right now during the show, and uh, we will uh, talk about your comments on the air, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. And you can call me right now, 888-528-2557. One of the things that uh, came out today in Los Angeles is a Blue Ribbon Report on homelessness and the the Blue Ribbon uh, Committee on Homelessness and Governance, uh, they came out with a report today on how they've been spending $38 billion recently, and uh, they have not spent it well as homelessness is increasing. And the report is uh, gives a lot of input into what needs to happen in our town, and it's chaos. Homelessness is getting worse and worse and worse, and yet we don't seem to want to change. At least 64,000 people just about are homeless in uh, just Los Angeles County alone. Um, And they didn't count actually in 2021 due to COVID, Uh, but the count is scheduled to resume. And that number is expected to be much higher. So that count is resuming this year. They didn't count it all last year. So that number is 63,706 is the actual number counted. Do you think that's right down to the person? Do they have a, do they have a name of everybody? I don't think they do. It's probably uh, more than that who are homeless. And so there has been obviously a lot of work on what to do. Huge numbers of people are homeless. It's growing. It's growing in all of our California cities. 
people are coming here from other states to be homeless here. And part of that is because in some communities in California, we pay you uh, a stipend every month, and that's where the money is. That's a big part of the problem in San Francisco, where something like only 7% of the homeless in San Francisco actually are from San Francisco. Everybody else moves here from different parts of the state. And, you know, if you're you're homeless and you're thinking, you know, I got to get out of whatever town I'm in, Southern California is not a bad place to go. I suppose I would have that thought if I were homeless. And if they're paying me to be there, then I would definitely uh, consider doing that. Uh, there's a lot. Homeless is complicated. Homeless ministry in church is super complicated. The church I used to be at had a homeless shelter, uh, not not a shelter, but a homeless ministry where we really try to find shelter and work hard because we were right on a, on a street that has a lot of homeless people. And all day long, there are homeless people coming in. And we had a lot of strict rules, and that's what we typically find in this type of ministry or this type of community service is that if you're really going to help someone, you have to deal, they're going to have to follow some rules. You can't just, they're not going to be helped if they don't get some structure and organization. And ultimately, if they don't get off the substance abuse, if they don't get some help with some mental problems and other things, usually those are the reasons people are homeless. We don't want to say that. It's becoming in, not politically correct to say that, but that's the reason for most people. There seems to be a, a movement that says, well, everybody's homeless because housing is too expensive. Well, it is too expensive, but hundreds of thousands of people are moving to another state because of that. That's what most people do. Most people, when you can't afford to live, you pack up your family or yourself and you leave. Uh, you usually don't choose to live on the street, but that does happen for quite a few people or you live in your car in transition. And for some people, it's really hard. You may not have family to go live with. Uh, there's all kinds of, of reasons, social reasons you have where you don't have that option. Uh, and I understand that. But for an awful lot of people, what takes that option away, even with families, is the drug and alcohol abuse um, and uh, some other things. And sometimes families just are tired of helping. So what I like to do when I'm working with a homeless person is if it seems like they can be helped, um, I will call their family if they'll give me the number, if they have the number. They don't always, but sometimes they do. And I'll tell you what, some of the greatest moments I've had working with homeless people in my life has been when I've called a family and they answer the phone and I tell them who I am and who I'm with. And they say, we have been looking for her for all this time. And they start to cry. Uh, I sent a woman to uh, put her on a bus. She was homeless and uh, she had a few possessions in a cart, uh, but she was kind of recently homeless and she was struggling. But we, we took what she had, put them in a cardboard box, cleaned her up. And uh, I've got to help her get on a bus to Wichita, Kansas. And she made it. And uh, she's no longer homeless. Her family took her in. They didn't even know where she was. They were thrilled to receive her. And uh, she's doing better. You know, sometimes you can't help, and there's really good stories like that. Other times, there's a lot of scams out there. I had a guy who, it was a similar story. And I'm talking to him, and he's got some kind of learning disability, I'm guessing. And, uh, you know, turns out he had family in El Paso. And so I put him in a hotel. And the next morning, I pick him up and take him to the bus depot, buy him a ticket to El Paso. I'd talk to his family, and they were ready to receive him home. And uh, off he goes. And I'm thinking, all right, good, really helped that guy. I'm not joking. Two weeks later, the same guy came back. And he came back to me, but he had changed his story. Suddenly, he does not have a learning disability. His accent had changed completely. And he had forgotten that he had talked to me already. 
and giving me some other new story. And I said, wait a minute, we, I just put you on a bus to El Paso. What happened? I, I could see the shock to look in his face. And I said, uh-huh, you forgot that you came here and talked to me. And I put you in a, in a travel lodge downtown, and uh, I took you to the uh, bus depot. Did you forget? Oh, yeah, I forgot. I said, well, what happened to you? Did you make it to El Paso? He said, no, I got off in San Bernardino and came back. Oh, uh, I did not put him in a hotel after that. Uh, so he's running some kind of uh, scam out there. There are so many. It's so difficult. But one of the things about this report uh, that I show or that I'm going to share with you is uh, – that organization put together, who put together this report is showing the chaos and the problems that exist. And that was on display, actually, uh, yesterday in Los Angeles with uh, Maxine Waters, Congresswoman Maxine Waters, who went to an event that was uh, sponsored by a nonprofit group, but they put a, a, a message out on their, um, on their social media saying that people who showed up to this event would get permanent um, – they would get permanent housing, basically. It's a huge mistake. And tons of people showed up, and she is stuck in the middle of a bunch of people who are hoping to get vouchers, hoping to get paperwork. And uh, this is the audio of that. You can hear the tension. Go ahead and play that clip. Another another location where they're taking F. Is there any more locations than this one? There might have been just so many people out here. One minute. I want, I want everybody to go home. And I want We don't got no home. Okay. That's why we here. Miss Mac, can you talk? Miss Waters, can you home we gotta go to? Just a moment. Just a moment. Nothing is going to happen anymore today. But I, what we gotta well that's what give give that's why I'm here and so I will be downtown with Lasso. I will get the housing authority. That's why they came out here today. I made them come out here. And I'm gonna go and you need to know why they they're failing because Blanca Jimenez repeated we gave her several meeting requests for you concerning this in Lasso for years. There's nobody in Washington who works for their people in Harder than I do. I believe I don't you. want to hear okay. that. I believe you. So no, can no, we finish no, though? No, no, no. Work with me. No, no, no. Work no, no, with no. me so we can house people. That's what I'm saying. And it just breaks into chaos, and it's a very sad and frustrating thing that is happening more and more often. And uh, Maxine Waters is getting criticized because she told homeless people to go home. Uh, you know, I think that's something that you say, you know, and uh, I think she realized how absurd that was at the time. Uh, not everybody there was homeless, but most of the people there were in jeopardy of losing their home, but some of them are homeless. And this is getting worse and worse. So the uh, report that just came out, uh, the Blue Ribbon Report on Homelessness uh, right here in Los Angeles, here is some of what it has to say. And I, I, I look at this and I think to myself, you know, there are things in here that are amazing to me that this is the key concerns. Um but there's not really a good solution other than more money. And it seems like we have – there's some solutions that are, that are in here. I'll, I'll point it out. But it's going to cost more money and create more government organizations to try to help. And it seems like in almost every case, the government organizations who are involved with homelessness and trying to get people off the streets, they're failing. And that's what this report says is everything is failing basically. It's just getting worse and worse. Uh, the number is 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. If you would like to join the conversation, 888-528-2557.
All right, here you go. Here are the key concerns from the Blue Ribbon Committee on Homelessness and Governance. Uh, Number one key concern, urgency needed. They say that the region is in crisis, which is true, but the system serving persons experiencing homelessness is not set up to operate in crisis mode. Uh, I think that's accurate. I think that uh, that is, we don't realize how bad this is and it's getting worse and worse and worse. It's alarming. Um, And we're not really helping people the way we need to. Need for flexibility and nimbleness. There are many ways into homelessness and there need to be many ways out. Um, Homelessness, like poverty of any kind, is very complex. If anybody says, oh, this is the only reason people are are homeless or this is the only reason people are poor. It's not that simple. Uh, it's actually very complex. There are, there's a lot of common denominators. All right. Drug use and uh, alcoholism is way up on the list. There are other things that are common denominators. Um, but the, the reason that people even get into drug use to that uh, extent um, can be complex. There's a whole lot to it. But I think part of the problem is, is that we don't want to say that we want to just sort of put people in a classification of we don't want to we don't want to talk about the problems that are self uh driven that some people have and that's a big problem because that is the problem for so many people and in fact if it's not the reason that you're homeless i read a statistic once that said if you become homeless and you're not somebody with a substance abuse problem you will develop one with about two within about 2 weeks all right so it's not a good situation for anyone to be in uh the third thing they say is that uh they get in this is the uh, the political uh, sort of uh, uh direction of things diversity equity and inclusion um we're not thinking about that with respect to homelessness enough and here's what they said they said that decision makers need to do more than give lip service uh to diversity equity inclusion there's a whole another conversation about what uh diversity equity inclusion is okay it's kind of um there's a lot of that conversation that, that, you know, is relevant and needs to happen. But there's what they're pointing out here is that there's a lot of that conversation that's baloney. And I think that's what they mean by lip service is it isn't that there aren't serious issues for different people, particularly people of color and um, other reasons why people might be homeless or discriminated against. There's some real things to talk about. But what's happening in our culture is that we if we say something about it, if we make a hashtag about it, if we claim we have a program or we have a brochure, that's it. We seem to be off the hook as far as actually helping people. And uh, and politically, we get credit for that. No, see, I've got a brochure. See, my company has diversity, equity, and inclusion. And uh, we don't even look into it, and that's why so many companies are having lots of uh, problem when it blows up politically. But at the end of the day, are things actually getting better because of any of that conversation or worse? What they're saying is that with respect to homelessness, it's not doing anything. Uh, System voids, no city or county lead entities. There is no county or city department or authority exclusively responsible for leading on homelessness. Do you realize that? There are many, many organizations out there, government ones, private ones, church ones that are dealing with homelessness, but there's nobody in the lead. And what they're talking about is from a government standpoint, there's nobody responsible And so everybody, really, the reason it costs so much money, billions and billions of dollars that you're spending on homelessness and it's not working, it's not working because there's no organized effort. There are so many different special interests and different people involved in different ways of trying to help different philosophies and nobody's in charge. And uh, how in the world are you going to solve it when it's not coordinated, when people can't work together? Uh, 
not enough is being done with Measure H. Measure H is our region's local sales tax that is supposed to generate monies for homeless service delivery uh, to spur local innovation and utilize government as a tool to serve people who are homeless. Um, and once again, nobody knows what to do with that money. It just gets sort of spent, but it's not improving the lives of anybody or really helping prevent homelessness or help people get out of it. Uh, the LAHSA, that's the Los Angeles Housing um, oh, what, Securities Administration, Service Administration, as a decision-making body, decision-making body is flawed, perhaps by design. Um, that's a, quite a statement to say that the organization that is put together is flawed by design, that the design is just wrong. It's not really, almost in a way, not serious. And I guess that that raises a question for me as I look at homelessness. Uh, now, there are some great homeless organizations out there, okay? The missions that are in uh, our different cities do a great job. There are some really super ones who they do a great job, and it's hard work. Um, and if you want to get off the street and you want to get better, you got to follow the rules and do those things. So there's there's definitely some great stories. But there are so many organizations and so many things that they don't want to deal with the actual problem. Uh, did I tell you this this uh, story? I might have told you the story once, but I went to this interfaith gathering one time, a bunch of pastors uh, who were there, and it was interfaith. So there was uh, some Christian pastors, and there was the man who ran, uh, um, he was the uh, imam at the, uh, at the mosque in San Diego. And uh, there was one Jewish leader, and then uh, the rest of us were Christian. And uh, I was at the end of the line, and we ran, went around the room and idea of how we could work together. This is where some of the problem is. The idea of how we could work together. You know, in the room, there was a lot of money. There was a lot of money to provide some housing, you know, different churches and organizations working together to do this. And we went around the room and it was really squishy. Mostly the Christian people, really squishy pastors. Um, You know, we got to love people and we got to care for people and all that kind of language, which is fine, but it wasn't dealing with the problem. And the, the thing about this meeting is I'm sitting next to the imam and he says, all of, and by the time it got around to him, the discussion had moved into we're going to buy an apartment complex or build one and it's going to be low cost and we're going to really help people not be homeless. We're just going to house them. Uh, that's what people need. They need a roof over their head. He says, none of this is going to work. He says, I don't know where all you are coming from, but if we don't deal with the moral problems, if we don't deal with the sex and the drugs and the meth and the theft and all of that, uh, the criminal element, uh, then none of this is ever going to work. We're going to spend all this money and build a complex that we can't keep people in, that we're going to be evicting people all the time or keeping people out. It will not work if we cannot address the moral problems that people are dealing with. And I'm sitting next to him, and I thought to myself, as the Baptist minister sitting next to the imam, I said to myself, I can't believe the only person in this room that I agree with is the imam, but I did, and I had to say it. I said, ah, the only person here I agree with is the imam. We, this is a great idea to pool our resources and to get together and do something, but none of it is going to work if we do not address drug abuse, if we do not address crime, if we do not address uh, the things that are driving people into homelessness or keeping them in homelessness once they get there. And I think that is the, the, that conversation is the same conversation that we're seeing at every government level. People want to help. I think that their intentions are, are real. They want to help. Um, but there are too many organizations. We are not organized, and it's not getting better. And at the end of the day, we don't want to say something. 
At the end of the day, we don't want to say, shame on you. At the end of the day, we don't want to hold people accountable for their actions. And this is a huge problem, right? I mean, in the whole thing that we're in, maybe the, the biggest, least important story is the Will Smith, Chris Rock thing, right? But the big discussion is how come Will Smith wasn't held accountable for his actions right there? You know, at any other business that you're at, you know, if you went up and smacked somebody, you would be escorted out. You might be arrested. You know, why is it, you know, there's reasons. I think people are in shock and it's a big award ceremony. He's going to win the Oscar. So many different things, but usually you get past that, right? And now they're trying to figure out how to hold somebody accountable. But one of the reasons they're having a hard time is because if they hold Will Smith accountable, well, there's a lot of other things that Academy members have done that they aren't holding people accountable for either. See, and that's part of the problem is we don't want to hold people accountable. We do not want to hold people accountable for their actions. Somehow this has become not politically correct. And at the core of things, this is why we can't solve homelessness. Uh, We can't help people. Why it's going to continue to get worse until we as a society acknowledge that some behaviors are bad. And I'll tell you what, spiritually, when you say that a behavior is bad, the problem is, is that it implies that there might be behavior that is good. And as soon as you have good and bad, as soon as there are categories, as soon as there's a category of good and bad and where people have to agree that some behaviors are bad and some are good, then you get into, well, who decided that they were good and bad? And then you get into, well, the only way you can really decide that is to have a God. And then you have a religious conversation. Then you're getting into sin and nobody wants to go there because as soon as you go there, now you got to deal with religion. And you can say all religions are the same, but they're not the same at all. Not even close. They're, they're not compatible. And as soon as you go there, you got to find out well, what, what religions are, are, seem to be true. See, and if you start to go down this road, if you start to say, you know, something is moral or something is immoral or something is evil, this is the core of a lot of our societal problems right now, is if you were going to say that something is evil or something is better, some behavior is better than another or classify things one way or the other, the only way that's true is if there is a higher voice speaking into it. The only way that's true is if there's some kind of cosmic justice that is beyond our ability to uh, discern. And that leads you to a place where you have to make a decision and you have to make a decision about God, who he is. And I'm telling you, that leads you to Jesus Christ. Uh, If you go down that road, it really does. And then you got to accept or reject Christ. This is a spiritual thing, my friends. These things breaking down, everything comes back to something spiritual. And this is the core of the problem. I got to take a break. This is Southern California Live. You can give me a call at 888 LA Talks, 888-528-2557, and join the conversation with your thoughts. 888-528-2557. This is the Thursday edition of SoCal Live. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. You can join the conversation at 888-528-2557. You can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. SoCalLive at KKLA.com. The number once again is 888-528-2557. We were talking about the homeless report that came out uh, in Los Angeles this week, which was, um, I think, probably somewhat accurate, but discouraging. And uh, what do we do from here? 
government organizations are in disarray. The money is being spent, but the homeless numbers are getting worse. I think it's a refusal ultimately to simplify it. It's a lot more complex, but to simplify it, it is a refusal to acknowledge the spiritual problems that so many people have. 888-528-2557. Rosalind from Orange, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, how are you doing, Scott? I'm good, Rosalind. It really, um, I was just thinking about what you were saying. A couple of thoughts I had. One, I, I helped out with a ministry called Closing the And um, we we have, there's different events that they have where it's, but it's in conjunction with churches and places. And we do serve clothing to, to people, and we also ask if they want prayer at the end, too. Yeah. So it's, a, it's part of partnership with our church, but the thought I had also is that, you know, it really is a heart issue, right? I mean, I, I, I'm I part of one group that, uh, there's a book I'm reading called, um, called The Heart Work, and it's called Decluttering Your Past for an Amazing Future, and it, it talks about these heart issues, and if we don't address them, we don't address those things that are deep roots, then, you know, problems perpetuate if they're not reflected. So, yeah. I mean, you know, that that's kind of my thought on that, is, is um, when we think about serving homeless people, you know, that could take a lot of organizations, right? You know, some serving clothing, some serving food, you know. But then there's that spiritual aspect that was so necessary, yeah. you know. And um, it, I think that, you know, only God can really change hearts. And um, I think if people are not reflective or, or you know, don't get the, the kind of help they need spiritually, also emotionally, then those things will continue. And so it's, it's hard, I mean... Well, one of the things that is that is spiritually helpful is that when you find yourself in a situation where you're homeless and maybe you're there because of just terrible circumstances came together and you found yourself homeless, but maybe you're there and you know that part of the reason you lost your job or part of the reason that things aren't going well for you is you have an addiction or you have a problem with other things. It's very hard to see yourself as valuable. It's very hard to see yourself as um, worthy even of help. And for some people, they don't see themselves as worthy or they have a lot of pride, right? So they don't want to say, I can't tell you how many people I have tried to help who are definitely able to be helped and they'll say no. And I would, you know, rather not move into um, uh, the rescue mission in San Diego, for example, where in the men's side of it, you can live there for a year and a half and they'll pay for everything and they will help you get over your addictions. If you have them, you'll get counseling, you get food, you get a place to live and you live there for free. Uh, but you got to follow some rules. There's a curfew and you got to admit to uh, your circumstances and other stuff. And some people just say, no, I can't tell you how many people, guys who I've run into and helped who would say, nope, I'll stay in my car as long as my car keeps to run running. And one of the things that's preventing them from getting a job is no address and no shower. Um, and pride is part of it, but there is a piece of it that is so important. And thank you for your call, uh, Rosalind. And I think kind of what you're getting at here is that when you are able to share the gospel with somebody in that situation, what they get is value that God values them, that they are made in the image of God. This is such a, a powerful thing when you realize it. I think that for many of us, we don't realize how powerful it is that as human beings, 
We are image bearers of the king of the universe, image bearers of the creator, image bearers of a a God who loves us, who understands everything that we're going through. And he has made us to to bear his image and he wants us to be in his family. He wants to be with us. And every human being has value. And I think some of the struggle that we have is we we feel like we don't have that value. Do you if you're listening, do you know that you are valued by God, that you are loved by God? I think it's a it's a a trouble that we have in our culture as we reject God, as we do not make disciples in the way that we used to in the church. We are not helping people understand they have value. And that's where the the homeless ministries that really work, uh, you know, the Union Rescue Mission, uh, San Diego Rescue Mission, these different uh, Christian organizations that really have, you know, I mean, there's probably a lot more uh, stories that are unhappy than there are the happy stories, but the happy stories are amazing. When you have people who are in, in a terrible situation and they are helped, um, some people who are homeless, there's kids who are homeless, there's people living in our missions who are children uh, who are homeless and usually with mom and there's been a, a breakup of the family and marriage, there's nowhere to go. Um, the hope that we have as the church that we can offer people through Christ is partly in the value of people, that God actually sees you as as valuable as anybody else. Our society puts people down, right? Our society weighs people based upon um, how wealthy they are or how articulate they are, how educated they are. Um, I think that's what you know, once again, the the biggest, most unimportant story about the Oscars and what happened there is that we see the humanity and the struggle that people who are idolized are still dealing with, that people who are wealthy, people who have fame, people who seem to have made it still struggle with similar things. I think that was shocking to people, and maybe that's a good thing that we we recognize that, that everybody in that room is loved by God the same way that anyone else is loved by God, and we're all evil, uh, equal uh, in that sense. We all come to faith the same way through Jesus Christ um, by having faith, by trusting in him. That really matters. 888-528-2557 is the number if you want to join the conversation here on Southern California Live. Today we've been talking about human trafficking and uh, some different things that people have struggled with, including the chaos in our own town here with with homelessness. Uh, There are other things that contribute to making it hard to live here and even hard to uh, manage if you find yourself homeless or you find yourself kind of at your last place. Gas prices are another thing. Gas prices are up again. President of the United States today uh, released 180 million barrels of oil in the strategic reserves to try to help lower the prices. Uh, that's about nine days worth of oil as far as how we consume it in the United States, nine days. Uh, it will lower the price of gas a couple of pennies probably for a short period of time. I kind of wonder, should we be releasing oil from our strategic reserves uh, when we're talking about potential war with Russia or China? seems like an odd time to do that. Um, but I know that you've got to have to politically. That's happened a couple of times. Um, before, and the gas prices are a huge deal. Here's a clip from uh, Fox News, Fox, not Fox News, but Fox Channel 11 here in L.A., uh, of a guy at a gas station. Uh, go ahead and play that clip. Premium here at this station on Alameda Ave in Burbank, going for just over $7 a gallon. It's ridiculous, bro. Like, usually you put it in and you get at least a half a tank or something like that. Chris, like so many, now paying double just to fill it up. Take it like 
five minutes for it just to get up to less than a quarter of a tank. And that was probably, what, like 50, 60 bucks? Like 60 bucks. Yeah, 60 bucks for uh, half a tank. That's where we're at. Now, the thing is, is that that affects everybody, and it especially affects people who are on lower income or people who take uh, even public transportation because maybe your your train that you're going to take is electric, but the people who have to work on it drive company trucks that take gas most of the time. And so all of the costs continue to go up. They continue to to do this. Um, this is the the situation that we find ourselves in, and uh, gas is heading about $7. My prediction, gas goes to $9 before it starts coming back down again. I hope that I am wrong. I would be very happy to be wrong. But I think in California, $9. Not across the country. You know, across the country, I think the average gas price is still about 4 maybe $4.30, which sounds fantastic to me here in California. But $9 gas, that affects everything. It affects how much you pay for your food. It affects how much you buy your food at the grocery store. It affects your job. It affects your company's ability to to keep being a company. And um, it's a huge deal. So hopefully what the president's doing is actually going to have some kind of impact. He criticized the oil companies today for gouging people. The oil companies, they do make quite a bit of money. It's not all on gas, though. Um, if it breaks down that oil companies make around one hundred and fifty or dollar fifty per gallon right now, depending on um, whose survey you believe, that breaks down to different different ways. So it's five cents goes to the refinery, five cents goes to the uh, uh, trucking industries that move the oil. There's so many things that that breaks down in. So you know, a buck fifty a gallon, that's a lot. But if you know, how much of that can they give back? So when we criticize the oil industry for making money, um, okay, they made $80 billion last year, $80 billion with a B. Uh, that's a lot. Um, but when you divide it into how much per gallon, it's about buck fifty a gallon for what we're actually spending. Um, how much should they lower that? So we're paying $6 a gallon now, $1.50. That gets us back down to four fifty. but the oil companies are making no profit, which means they can't invest, they can't buy new equipment, and they will go out of business. So they can't do that. So how much should they take off of the gas? How should that be done? Have you thought about that? So I always think that's interesting. We get mad at people for making a profit. It's like, okay, I think there's a value to companies giving back and not profiting as much. I think you can make a biblical argument even that part of running a company is not just to be profit-driven but to provide jobs and to provide uh, the economy to work for people so that people can eat so that people can have a place to live. There's definitely an attitude problem that we have in our country that has changed in the last 40 or 50 years about that. But $80 billion goes away pretty fast when you start to realize what investment is necessary for oil companies, especially now that we want them to drill more oil. Okay, well, they got to have capital in order to do that, so you can't just give it all back. Uh, It's complicated, isn't it? 888-LA-TALKS is the number. If you want to join the conversation, 888-528-2557. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Johnny Be Good, my son Johnny's favorite song. Trying to get him to learn the guitar, excuse me, so he can play that song, but uh, I might have to get him to play the guitar if he can play it on the Nintendo somehow. Actually, he doesn't play that too often. We keep him off of that. You keep your game, your kids off the Nintendo, off the video games as much as possible. We do, and he still wants to play it all the time. He doesn't get to play it much. 
Anyway, that's a whole other topic we should do sometime, uh, video games. You know, uh, we're talking about different things going on in our culture and some of the hopelessness that was presented by the Homeless Report in Los Angeles today. Uh, just that there's a lot of chaos and a lot of things not going well as far as all the attempts and uh, of government organizations primarily trying to help with homelessness. There is so much that we have to offer each other. You know, how many people do you know who do not feel like they have any value? I, mean, I don't know if everybody thinks along those lines, but I think that a lot of us have the moments where we just feel like, you know what, maybe I'm, I'm not loved or maybe I'm not valued. That's a big part for being in the church. Are you in the church? Are you uh, somebody who is a part of a church where you don't just go on Sunday, but you're part of a small group or you're part of a Sunday school class where you've got you know, some group of guys that you hang out with who are believers who talk into your life, a ladies group maybe where you do that. I want to encourage you to do that. You know, you're valuable because you are made in the image of God. In some ways, it's it's hard to even understand that. But you're also valuable because of what you cost. Uh, you were redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Imagine that, that he gave his son for you. Do you ever think about that? I remember when I had, when I first became a father, one of the things I couldn't get over was the size of the little onesies that my kids wore and uh, that Jesus was that big at one point. He probably didn't have the uh, fancy, uh, you know, uh, Elmo onesies back in the day. Uh, The swaddling clothes he had, but he had something that was tiny, and then he would grow out of it. And I remember the amount of love I had for my son, who didn't do anything except keep me up, and I'd have to change his diapers, and then I'd put the new diapers on, and he would immediately mess them again, and I'd have to change them again. And that was kind of his function, and I loved him so much. And I had a couple of, like, nightmares of of losing him or, you know, different things that you might have as a parent. And I remember the profound impact of realizing that God gave his son for me. And I thought about that. I thought, would I give my son up for anybody? Like, would I actually do that? You know, if, if my boys decide to join the military and they serve and we're in some war and they lose their life. Uh, I would hate that, but I'd be proud of them, you know, that for for serving a good cause in their country. And, you know, we're proud of um, our service members. And as a parent, if you've lost your child there, you know, you, you struggle. You struggle with a lot of different things there, but you still have a pride in your child. Um, but you didn't really choose that. And you didn't... You know, you might have chosen that they join the military or help them make that decision, encourage that decision, but you didn't want them to die for their country. You didn't want that to occur. Uh, you didn't give them up really for that purpose. You might be proud that they will be known for that, and then always we will be in debt to them as a nation. But other than that, I couldn't think of any sort of circumstance where the idea that I would give my son up uh, made any sense that I would, especially for my enemies, especially for people that I don't like. You know, think about it. That's how valuable you are to God, that he would give up his one and only son for you. And you might be somebody who uh, used to hate God, or maybe you still hate God, and you need to know that God loves you that much, that that's the, that is who our God is, that he loves you so much that he gave his only son. And think about that. If you are a parent, you know, I, it's just a profound thing. If you're somebody who 
doesn't realize this. You are loved by God, and he wants to be with you. That's one of the messages of all of, of Scripture. Loneliness is the pandemic that we were in before we had this pandemic, and it's just gotten worse. That's one of the reasons when we talk about homelessness that's also there is some people have too much pride to even go home, and they can. Other people, they can't. Their, their families are not willing to bring them back, and there's so much loneliness. Sometimes we, we choose it ourselves. Sometimes we, we don't. Um, when I deal with single people, maybe you're single out there and you're thinking that you're lonely, and you might be, and you're single. Uh, Paul has a lot to say about that in 1 Corinthians to encourage you that it's okay to be single. Uh, you can do a lot more for the Lord when you're single, he says. Um, but I'll tell you what, the people who I know who are more lonely than single people are married people. And if you think that being married is going to solve all of your, your problems or having a kid one day is going to solve all of your problems or getting your kids graduated and out of the house is going to solve everything, it doesn't. Ultimately, we are made to feel valuable and secure within our marriages if they're healthy, within our relationship with our kids or other people or workplace, only really when we understand who God is that he wants to be with us, that Christ wants to have a relationship, where Paul would pray in Ephesians 3 that Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith, that he would be with you, that his love is significant. Do you feel that in your life? And do you feel it enough that you can share that with other people, that you can be filled with the love of God this way? I hope that you do. I hope that you can take some time today maybe to say, you know what, God, if you feel that, thank him for it. Make that part of your relationship with God, to thank him for being present with you, to thank him that he sent his son for you, to die for you. Every culture on earth has a spiritual angst built in. That's why there's so many gods. That's why there's so many different philosophies and religions in every culture, every culture that archaeologists go dig up, they're not finding atheistic cultures. They're finding cultures that sought out God of some kind. And they're finding cultures, you know, missionaries, when they go to today, to people groups that have never been reached by the modern world, there's some kind of religious thinking going on there. What that is, is it's a spiritual angst that people have. And that angst is that they want to be with their creator. They may not put it that way in their philosophy of how they've described that angst, but that angst exists. Do you have that angst? Do you have that angst that is there saying, gosh, I really, I really feel like I need something. I think we, we, in our culture, we take it to different places. Sometimes we take it to the drugs and alcohol or other things, but other times we take it to too much exercise or we take it to different philosophies and and uh, the new age stuff or the, the yoga or whatever it is that we are, we're trying to fill that hole up with. And, you know, exercise is good for you. And taking time to, to meditate can be a good thing, depending on what you're thinking about. Taking care of yourself matters a lot, but your value comes from your creator, the one who made you, from your father in heaven. And he is able to do abundantly more than anything that you ask for or even think about. C.S. Lewis once said about the Lord and our relationship with him that we are far too easily pleased, he wrote, that we seem to be okay if we have enough food to eat, if we have a roof over our head and uh, the basics are met, we're okay with that. But God wants so much more for us. God has so much more value, so many more gifts that we can use, not to be wealthy or to have a bigger house or a lot more food, 
you know, those things some people have, some people aren't going to have. But at the end of the day, what matters is that you get to be with God. This is the message of Scripture. God is with Adam and Eve in the garden until they mess up and they get kicked out. And then God promises a Savior. Genesis 3, it begins. Then God wants to be with his people. He wants to be with them, and he doesn't want them to even have a king or that kind of political system because he wants to be the king. And they get jealous of other cultures who have a king, a system that seems to work better. So he says, all right, I'll give you a king. But then he says the kingdom is not going to work out too well, and that's what happens over time. And eventually things are messed up, but God says he wants to be with you. He wants to temple with you. But he maintains the promise of a Savior. And 2,000 years ago, thereabouts, Jesus came, and he lived with us. He was right there, right here on this earth. You can go walk on the ground that he walked on and see the ruins of buildings that he would have looked at, probably touched. You can see the way of the cross that he bore for you and go see all of this. And then he dies. And the reason he died is that spiritual angst that you have. That angst is based on the idea that you have something that you owe, that there is something missing in their relationship. And it's a debt to sin. Uh, when you have a debt, you owe something. And uh, when you, you know, when you, sometimes you do something wrong and you feel like you need to make amends, well, that's, the, that's a debt. Uh, sometimes somebody does something good for you and you feel like you have a debt of gratitude. And that should be our attitude towards Christ. We have a debt of gratitude that is eternal for what he did for us. Because you get salvation simply by believing in him. You know, all these things that we talk about that are so hard and uh, tough subjects today on the show, things going on in our world right here, people have value. Every single person has value. And the people that you disagree with, the people who are vehemently opposed to what you believe in, and you might even be right, they still have value to God. Can you look at other people the way Jesus does as, as people with value, people who are loved, even the most extreme person or the person with the most trouble? And maybe the person you need to look at is yourself. You are valued by God. He loves you. And he can do a great work in you. All right, sermon over for today. I hope that that is helpful. I know that for some of you listening, you just need that encouragement, and God loves you. He's present. Pray this. Just pray that God would make you aware of his presence, aware that he is with you right now. Everybody, thank you for listening today. You can go to kkla.com to find the podcast of our program. It'll be up there pretty soon and, and previous shows. We thank you for joining us, and we're on every day from 3 to 5 right here on KKLA in Los Angeles and uh, wherever you might be listening on this station today. Thank you for joining us. I'm Scott Furrow for Southern California Live. I'll see you tomorrow.